Hello and welcome to Mainstream by Sifter. My name is Gianni. Thank you for joining us. Now, on Mainstream, we discuss the biggest titles out there, some of the big AAA games, the things that your mates say, hey, you should really give that one a go. We talk about a variety of games, so big AAA titles, smaller games from sort of AA studios, retro releases, everything is covered here. It's our experiences of what it's like to play the games that everyone is talking about. Nicholas Kennedy is a Games Hub reviewer and a Sifter producer. Uh, Nick, you've been jumping into a game that is kind of in a genre of its own. They really don't really have a lot of other ones that are made by other companies other than this company. Uh, it's a game called The Quarry. It's the uh, the new sort of full-length release from Supermassive Games. Um, like you mentioned, they've made a couple of these already, but The Quarry is sort of a return to, you know, five-star runtime, big, big-budget uh, game. They've made a couple of episodic ones before now, but um, yeah, I, uh, I'm really excited to dive into it. All right, well, let's find out what's happening in the news this week on the latest episode of Walkthrough. This is Mainstream. So, Nick, what is The Quarry? I've never played one of these games before. What am I in for? Yeah, so, I mean, I want to preface um, a lot of this just by mentioning the history of Supermassive Games, the developer of The Quarry. They made a game called Until Dawn back in um, 2016, I believe that one came out. And I feel like it was a real sleeper hit among people. It's a bit of a cult classic. People have a lot of love for Until Dawn. It was basically a a horror movie set in a mountain mountainous area with like a lodge and kind of a bunch of classical sort of like 80s horror, 90s horror sort of tropes uh, where you took control of characters and led them around environments and tried to keep them alive in kind of, you know, uh, dangerous situations uh, with QTEs. And it was also had a choice system. So it was kind of like a choose your own adventure book. And Until Dawn provided the template that Supermassive Games have basically carried forward um, to what's called the Dark anthology, uh, dark Pictures Anthology, where they made a bunch of sort of smaller episodic titles that sort of fit into this, yeah, anthology of um, stories that are all kind of knitted together by a few kind of common characters. But the last one they made of the, uh, of the Dark Anthology was a, a game from last year called House of Ashes. But then they released the trailer for The Quarry, which wasn't, pinned as being a part of um you know the dark pictures and it's basically a standalone uh narrative adventure game uh interactive adventure game um where you are similar to until dawn controlling a group of teenagers you know at a um summer camp that has just finished um they're all kind of camp counselors um start ticking off the tropes as we go through this discussion i'm sure but um, fill up your bingo board yeah no exactly you'll 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 win big um yeah so they're all camp counselors there's a bit of romance between a lot of them there's you know uh maybe romances that have started to you know fizzle out and that's a source of drama and basically what the inciting incident for the quarry is is that one of the students decides to mess with one of the cars so that he can spend more time with a, a girl and that means that they can't leave. And this really freaks out the owner of the, um, the camp known as uh, Hackett's Quarry. And that guy's name is Chris Hackett, um, played by David Arquette from Scream fame. Uh, people will probably recognize his face. He played Dewey. Um, and basically, Chris 
freaks out and is like, y'all need to stay in the lodge overnight, wait till I come back and don't do anything. And then the game kind of goes from there. So how do you actually play this game? Is it a run around sort of thing? Is it literally just making choices and then being shown scenes? Because to me, um, it looks like a very filmic experience. Yeah, so it really is. It's, I mean, just to give you an idea, they provide a movie mode, essentially, which is effectively you can watch the game play out where all the characters live, all the characters die, or a cool mode called, um, I think it's like Gore Fest or something like that, where things go as bad as they possibly can. Um, and that's before the characters die as well. Um, so, yeah, it's effectively a game where you might be, you're controlling, I think you can control like you'll be in control of one person um, in, a, in a certain scene um, and you'll be walking around an environment and they're these beautifully rendered, you know, um, the, the visual fidelity of this game is really quite impressive um, and it's all sort of, you know, beautiful baked in lighting. Um, so, you know, they've really been able to zero in on making a few places look really gorgeous. Um, you'll be, you know, walking around these environments looking for clues um, you know, just trying to pick as much information up as you can about what the mystery of the game is. Um, and then you kind of progress. So you might have to go and talk to a character to leave, to go to the next area or, or something like that. And sometimes when you are progressing through an area, you'll be suddenly met with a QTE. So I don't know, some monsters crashes through a window and you have to, you know, respond to that and survive. So it's basically a mixture of, you know, dialogue, scenes where you're talking to a character and the things that you you know it's the classic you know you know abigail will remember that sort of kind of stuff and it'll influence their later you know responses to you um and also things like you know do you give someone a gun do you decide to you know rifle through someone's belongings do you decide to run away when someone needs help or do you help them you know it's all that kind of thing so um it's if you if, if if listeners have any experience with you know like the Walking Dead series of games, other kind of like Telltale adventure games, this is you know gameplay that is um, that you've seen there before, um, but it is all you know steeped in this really wonderful uh, atmosphere, this eighties sort of fake eighties because it's modern day, but no one has any phones because there's no reception, <laughs> and um, yeah, so uh, it's. It's that it's just got a lot of tropes, but they're all executed really, really well, in my opinion. Um, and it and it makes it just a, a really sort of for me, these games are like comfort food, honestly. They're just I can just eat them endlessly and uh, and they never really get old. It's one of those things when you take uh, take a genre and you really hit on every single one of those pieces. I remember when um, Cabin in the Woods came out and people talked about that movie a lot yeah. as really picking up on all the pieces of everything that had come before and it was a film so much for people who were, you know, loved the genre and it sort of sounds like this game is sort of a similar experience. I'm wondering about those choices that you make because I often err in games and I can feel paralysed by choices because I want to make the right one. Um, do they do it in a way that um, either feels like you know everything you've earned or does is there a sort of a factor where it could be you know feel like you've been cheated out of something yeah i mean look the, i had a couple of experiences in the game where what the game was communicating a choice to be wasn't what i thought it was i mean i'll give you an example not to spoil anything i'll keep it vague but you know you're in a room with a threat um you've got one of two choices one of them seems to imply that you know, you could do something that would then trick the threat 
into neutralizing itself. But then what ends up happening is you you do that thing and the thing just kills you. Like the thing that you were going to do, your character is just like, well, I guess I'll I'll go over here and, you know, hide in uh, this room. Uh, and then it's just like, well, that person died. And that's just sort of the end of that interaction. But by and large, the game does a pretty good job of in the moment communicating what choices mean. And it actually is pretty clever by using the narrative to sort of subvert your expectations when it comes to choices. Um, so, for instance, you might be building up or, you know, you might be making particular choices in relationships between two characters, which is pretty standard fare. And you might think, well, I want this person to like me. They might help me later on. But then that might lead to unintended consequences that still have a narrative base. So I I can't really explain that further without uh, getting into spoilers about what happens. But in, in this game, having certain characters like you too much can actually prove to be a problem later which is a great sort of you know normally when i play games like these i'm like i'm everyone's friend let's hang out let's all be buddies you know we'll stick together and uh then we'll be able to you know face the threats together but um but the way that the quarry uh kind of subverts you know people that might be like that which of, of which i imagine there are a lot of people um that make those kinds of you know friends of all choices um I, I really quite enjoyed that. Um, outside of that, I, I did feel like while the choices that are in the game and the story that plays out over the top of those choices, you know, are really good and really solid for what they are, um, there, there there weren't a ton of times where I was 100%, you know, blown away by what a choice was, like a situation that I maybe found myself in stuff once you start to piece together what's going on in the quarry um it it does kind of you can there are maybe enough threads you know that you can kind of tie them all together into a knot and you'll probably have something that's not far from the truth and so in terms of surprising you i found the early game actually more surprising than the late game i guess i'll put it that way so as the story sort of nears its natural conclusion things kind of become slightly less surprising but in the opening hours of it it's really you know before the characters are on tracks that they really need to be on for kind of the you know the finale to make sense um those early moments where people are just kind of wandering around they're adventuring some people aren't even aware that things are going wrong yet you know that kind of stuff is all really interesting and the dialogue has more time in those moments to you know bloom and 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 the character actors of which you know the game is full of really really great I think mocap performances, some better than others. Um, uh, um, I'm going to butcher some names here, but I found the the performances specifically of Skylar Jin Sondo, uh, Halston Sage, and Miles Robbins. They play characters Max, Emma, and Dylan. Um, I, I just found all of them really quite, you know, empathetic and annoying sometimes, but in ways that you that were human um, and, and just like realistic. And and I think that's something that. You know, these games, uh, if, you, if you've played plenty of heavy, like, you know, uh, Quantic Dream games, you might have had to sit through your fair share of uh, wooden vocal deliveries and, and bad, you know, bad facial animations. But um, in the quarry, like, you know, everyone, look, there's going to be characters that everyone hates and there's, there's 
clearly some characters that like are maybe supposed to be a little more prickly than others, obviously, but um, they're all, you know, they're all pretty likable people. What if we're out partying tonight out in the woods and we end up in a most dangerous game situation? Like when people hunt other people? Yeah, what, I mean, think about it. It's camp is over and hunting season has just begun. I did see a weird light in the treehouse across the lake. That was pretty spooky. Maybe it's your girlfriend, Brian. The bag of Hackett's quarry. Did you hear that? why do people go into the spooky house Nick why do they go in there well they're already there I mean that's the problem they're, a house I mean if no one tells you it's a spooky house I mean who who are you to blame for being there? Honestly, what if the house started not spooky and it became spooky? Ridiculous. Um, I'm curious about like in terms of the characterization. It's a world that's you know these people live in the the real world. Do they understand that they're in a horror movie? So the film, um, sorry, the film. Well, there you go. Yes, let's tell you how much of a, a, a filmic experience it is. Um, the game. No, it's actually less. I mean, you mentioned Cabin in the Woods earlier. It's less. It's not trying to show off its... I mean, I don't mind Cabin in the Woods as a film, but I feel like in retrospect, that film, as much as it was subversive, it was just kind of trying to show off in a way. Um, and the quarry is a little more down to earth. Um, the characters in it are not... There's not like some character who's, you know, an uber fan of horror films and he's like, oh, we have to board up the windows, but... Don't forget to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, because this is, I saw that in a comic or something. There's no characters like that. Um, everyone has actually a pretty realistic response. I mean, fairly realistic response to what starts going on in that they are like, what the hell? Let's get out of here. <laughs> this is terrifying. Um, yeah. So, so no, it's not, it's not a hyper um, self-aware, you know, whatever wave kind of horror that we might be living yeah. through. So yeah, tongue in cheek kind of horror that we might be living through right now. If anything, the kind of, you know, films and stuff that it draws on is honestly reminded me more of like, you know, the work of Steven Spielberg um, in his early career films, like, you know, I believe he directed Poltergeist, correct me if, my wrong, if I'm wrong on that, you know, and even the scarier moments of like E.T. And, and Jaws, obviously, like the guy knows how to, combine horror with whimsy and with mystery and with curiosity and stuff like that. And I think that the quarry really draws on that as well. Obviously it gets a bit, you know, it gets rough near the end and it turns into an out and out horror film. But I think that like it's overall atmosphere and tone means it's not like you're trying to recommend the Saw series to someone. If you say to someone, Hey, you know, you, you don't mind a little bit of horror, maybe check out the quarry. You know, it's, it's got some, it's obviously out and out a horror, a horror game, but it's got a kind of, you know, it's got a wink in it as well, which kind of, it, it softens it a little bit in a really, in a really, um, in a way I really appreciate it. Um, you talked a little bit about the characterization and the performances. Can you tell me like, what, what were some of the moments that kind of stood out to you um, that, that, you know, were important in the way that tell that the story was told and, and made a difference because I see that you really like this game. Um, and yeah. I'm curious, what was it about the way that it was delivered that really made the difference? 
Well, I think what I really liked about it is, and I, and I can't remember if this was the case with um, Until Dawn or or the, any of the Dark Pictures games, um, but the structure of the quarry I found quite interesting. I think it's knitted together in a really a really interesting way. It's got two distinct scenes, um, the opening scene and a scene that takes place maybe about like three, two-thirds towards the end. Um, there's 10 chapters in the game, sorry. Um, so the opening prologue chapter and, and I think maybe like chapter six or seven um, are both really interesting for what they do with the structure of the game because um, chapter seven is basically a flashback chapter in which you're dealing with characters that you haven't really had much to do with um, throughout the game. Um, and I just felt like that that spoke to the game's genuine care for the story it was telling and the characters in that story. Um, and w- because once that flashback is over, um, those characters once again become quite relevant to the closing of the story. And and they really kind of like supercharge the relationships between everyone in a, in a really, really interesting way. Um, so it's actually a very intelligently written game. I mean, these these games are kind of schlocky horror, you know, uh, kind of dumb on the surface sort of games. But I think that, you know, uh, I think that the that Supermassive are one of, I mean, to use a, too simple of a term, but one of the smartest developers working right now. I think, I think that the games that they put together are so, they just do what they do so well with such an attention to detail um, that really shouldn't go, you know, uh, ignored. I'm really curious. There is is a feature that's kind of locked behind one of the limited editions, the deluxe edition of this game, the Death Rewind. Um, What do you think about having that sort of feature? Is it something that you used during your playthrough, um, but also kind of gating that behind a a deluxe edition of a game? (laughs) Buddy, I use that. I use that all the way up. (laughs) I use that all the way up. Um, Yeah, the the Death Rewind, which I did not realise. The copy of the game that I reviewed had it included um so much so to the point like you mentioned as a as a a pre-order bonus i believe or or, yes sorry a deluxe edition bonus um and it was actually unlocked on my first playthrough so i went through thinking oh cool this is so cool they've just put this in that you can just do this but i i think that the it's not locked behind the deluxe edition it's only locked insofar as that it's I believe applied on your first playthrough if you bought deluxe. Whereas if you beat the game, and I'm happy to be wrong on this, if you beat the game, you still unlock it once you've done your first playthrough. So the only difference there is that the people that paid extra just don't have to commit <laughs> to the first, you know, whatever mistakes they make. But you do only get three of them. And, and I and I definitely went through three. Um, and I actually got an ending that I um that I didn't wasn't 100% happy with, but on my fault because I was kind of misreading some cues um, in the game, but um, but that was on me. Um, yeah, in terms of it being locked, I mean, that's obviously ridiculous. I think it should, you know, it should just be an option going in. You know, do you want this? It's just a way of, you know, extracting more money out of people. But, you know, if you want this to be implemented on your first playthrough, you know, three lives, you know, you can save people three times. Um Obviously, I would say like 98% of players would probably take that the first time through. Um, but, and it, and it's genuinely a cool feature. I mean, I think that it really lets you, 
it lets you enjoy, I think, some of the, it lets you have like a shock horror moment of like, oh my God, <laughs> like there's a bit where, oh, it's like, it's, I'm going to say maybe I got through some moments where characters could have died a little earlier in the game. But the first time I had a character die, they were aiming a gun at, a, at another character. And then this character just does something and just like grabs them throws them across the room, picks them up, rips their head off and like throws their head across the room. And I'm just like, I was playing it with my wife, which is these games are great to play with people in the same room. But I had this happen and I just was <laughs> just howling like, what the hell is going on? Oh my gosh. Um, and, and I appreciated being able to experience that uh, and then to you know, still have that character be around to make the right choice in the moment and have that character be around. But yeah, so I think it's a good feature overall, but to, you know, cut it, to hide it behind them. Um, I don't know how much extra the deluxe copy was, what, like 15 bucks or 10 bucks. Um, to do that, I think is obviously ridiculous. Was there anything in this game that didn't work for you? I'm curious. It sounds like it, you know, it's a really tight experience from from what I'm picking up um, and from your review as well. Um, but, you know, anything that didn't sit right or just didn't flow as nicely as you as you would have hoped? I think it's not so much things that didn't... Everything in the game that is there is executed extremely well, in my opinion. Um, I just think that the games could stand to start... I think after this point, if Supermassive don't start to really push it in terms of, you know, or really experiment in terms of, you know, different mechanics in the game, different ways that the story can branch, different settings, for instance, you know... or like different stuff that, you know, really co- that that pull it away from this sort of group of young people in a spooky place, you know, running away from creature features. Um, that that would be a shame if they didn't move on from that. Um, so I guess if I was to say that there was anything about the game that disappointed me, it was more that the familiarity of Until Dawn is very felt. Um, of like a lot of these characters, honestly, not all of them, but some of them could feel a little interchangeable. Um, but, and I think that it was maybe a safe bet for them to go with, you know, summer camp, you know, horror movie, which is, you'll not be shocked to hear quite similar to Lodge, Mountainous Lodge. You know, because there's a lodge here too. The second I stepped into the lodge in this game, I was like, I feel like I've been here before. Like, <laughs> but um, yeah. So I, I would expect and hope for more experimentation from the next couple of titles that they do. And I believe the next one is called "The Devil in Me" or something like that. They're returning to the Dark Pictures anthology, um, which looks like it has a bit of a saw kind of bent to it, um, which could be interesting. So we'll see. Is it the sort of game that you'd like? playing through again and again i'm just curious like will you just sit through and enjoy this one experience or is it something you return to so i'm a, I, I i really i'm really bad at um I'll, I'll i'll blitz through a game the first time and then and then i'll tell myself oh i'll do another run through i do this with rpgs all the time i'll play an rpg again like i'll tell myself that i will i'll maybe get like six hours in and i'm just kind of like i'm sort of bored i want to do something else um whereas with films i can you know, rewatch them endlessly. So I think with this one, it is a very replayable game. You know, obviously it all hinges on different choices, different endings. As I understand it, there are a lot of endings um, to this game. Um, 
So yeah, I can definitely see myself playing through it again. It's just a shame that the getting to the meat, I think, of the game um, and, you know, meaningful choices present themselves pretty quickly in the narrative. Um, but getting to the meat of the game where stuff really starts happening, um, it'd be good if you could maybe actually pick, you know, certain choices that let in certain chapters and then maybe start in like chapter four or something like that. And you can say like, oh, well, I did this here and this here and this here and let's just have the situation that leads to now. Um, it would be good if that was a feature. Um, but, but yeah, the replay- replayability is definitely... You sure like the idea of replayability, it sounds like. Yeah, I sure do. That's the... <laughs> I think I think I like the idea of it more than more than I mean I I'm always that person that whenever I hear about issues of replayability with a game or 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 a fan base complaining about a lack of replayability I'm it never really sways me I'm not that I don't have a problem with it if 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 a, if an experience is great once that's totally fine for me um, who's this game for who do you think is going to get the best out of this I think people that like playing games with their friends um, that like to, you know, pass the controller, that like to, you know, watch Stranger Things, that like to watch ridiculous bad horror movies together. Not that this is a bad horror movie, but... Um, and I think it's for people that, you know, really love uh, that sort of mixture of adventure, horror, mystery, and, yeah, curiosity and sort of playfulness that that I think is kind of um, that's been missing, honestly, from, from, from horror films for a little while, which is, I think, why people like Stranger Things so much. Um, yeah, so that's who it's for. <laughs> it's called The Quarry. Uh, it's by Supermassive Games and published by 2K. Um, available now on Windows, on PlayStation 4 and 5, on Xbox One and Xbox Series X and S. Sit down for a chat with your pals in video games. This is Mainstream. Thank you so much for listening to Mainstream. It's Sifter's review podcast. My name is Gianni. Uh, You can read uh, a written version of the thoughts on the quarry uh, on the website. You can head to sifter.com.au. We'll put a link to that in the show notes of this episode. Thanks to Brian Fairbanks from Salty Dog Sounds for composing the Mainstream theme music. And thanks to Omni Studio for their support of Sifter's three podcasts. Sifter is produced by my co-host on this episode, Nicholas Kennedy. Thank you for joining us. Pleasure. Kyle Paletto, Fiona Bartholomew, Daniel Ang, Adam Christou, Mitch Lowe is senior producer, and my name is Gianni DiGiovanni. I'm the executive producer. Nick, where can people find Sifter on the internet and check out what we've been doing? Yeah, well, you can give Sifter a follow on all the social medias uh, over at, at SifterHQ on Twitter or Instagram or you can join us and discuss your favorite games in the Sifter Discord. So you can visit sifter.com.au forward slash Discord. That's sifter.com.au slash Discord. We've got three podcasts now. Mainstream, which you're listening to right now, which is reviews. We've got an interview podcast called Lightmap, where we talk to game developers, uh, creators, and people working in cool things in interactive media. And we've also got week, uh, Walkthrough, which is our weekly recap of the biggest news in games. Geez, it's been some big weeks in the last couple of episodes as we record this one. Um, But we talk about the latest release announcements, uh, controversies, and what games you can find in stores each and every week. That's all the time we have for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, have fun.